Blog Talk Radio. One month into the season, the Phillies sit atop the NL East at 16-12. and 12. We'll be looking back at April's stars, breaking down Ethelin and Velasquez's success on the mound, and if the Phillies need to make any early season moves. All this and more on FanCast. Hold on, wait a minute. Y'all thought I was finished. When I bought a ass tomorrow, y'all thought it was winning. Jackson on East. I'm like Papa on his finish. Double M, yeah, that's my team. Rose is catching on new tennis. Hello, everybody, and welcome into FanCast. I'm Coy. Back here after last week was down in Philly. Not for the Phillies themselves, but for the Sixers clinching game five against the Brooklyn Nets. Joining us today will be Mason, back from a couple of weeks ago. He joins the show. Isaac's down in Philadelphia for the big Phillies game tonight against the Tigers. Mason, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. How are you? Excited to be back. Not too bad. Well, glad to have you here. Had a great show a couple of weeks ago. Like we said, Isaac down for the Tigers game with the Phillies. Tigers making their first trip to Philly since 2007. It's a good setup right now. Tigers have lost four straight. Phillies winning three straight. It'd be a nice little one to boost the NL East lead a little bit. Yeah, I mean, you got two games. You got to win both. If you got two games right here to go against a team that really has been struggling as of late, you can take these two games and keep moving forward. Well, Phillies will be rolling with Vinny Velasquez on the mound tonight. Vince has had a great start to the 2019 season. That actually rolls us right into our first conversation tonight. We'll be looking back at April studs, breaking down our hitter and pitcher of the week. Mason, as your guest to the show, I'll let you take first. Who was your offensive player of the month for the Phillies? You know, I'm going to go with, and I know this is going to be a little bit of a curveball here, but I'm going to go with Gene Segura. I mean, I know, again, you're – I mean, he's obviously been out for a little bit while in this month. But when he's been back and when he's in this lineup, there's a big difference. And I think we were able to see this in the Marlins series. I mean, Gene Segura is able to hit and make contact, which is one of the things that the Phillies kind of lack. And a little bit of that pop just making those doubles and triples he's got. Um, that's that's probably his main thing. And he was out. And, you know, that's what I think, you know, hitter of the uh, – definitely can – is a deserving factor for him. I definitely think the acquisition of Gene back in last December, that move to put him at short was definitely the biggest upgrade the Phillies had. He might not have been the biggest star at like Harper, Real Muto, some of those guys, but the depth between him and J.P. Crawford, who was shipped out to Seattle, that's the biggest impact on the Phillies lineup. And like you said, he's had a great April. I ruled with our hometown star, Reese Hoskins, batting 277, eight homers, 23 RBIs. This is sort of what we expected from Reese heading into this year. He had more protection at the plate as opposed to 2018. Like we said, there's always been cold guys in the Phillies lineups. Now he's got Harper hitting in front of him, Real Muto behind him most games. That's a great spot that most MLB players would envy for to have that kind of protection. And he's doing a great job in the role. He's driving in runs at a high rate. We saw last year Gabe usually used him out of that two-hole. I was a big advocate to slide him back to the four. He had better split numbers hitting from the cleanup spot, and now that he's there in a consistent spot, it's showing higher average, still getting a ton of power, driving in a lot of runs, and it's been great to watch, fun to watch. You always love to see the hometown guy succeed, and guys like him and Franco both having good starts to the year. It's been great showing for the Phillies developmental staff, their scout. They've been able to bring in guys to develop this core that they've now added the pieces to to develop a playoff caliber team. So sliding past that offensive sketch, what what did you see from our pitchers this first month? How did you like their 
showings. Aaron struggled a little bit. I'm guessing he won't be your guy of the month. I'll let you take it from here and what you saw. Yeah, unfortunately, Aaron Ola is not going to be the pitcher of the month. And I, now I'm really rooting for him, obviously, next month. And obviously, for the future down this road, he's going to be a key um, in the way this Philly team is going to come out. Um, I went with Zach Eflin. I mean, from his dominance start um, against the Marlins, pitching a scoreless, complete game. Um, the first win, in, I believe, until tw- uh, 2017 was the last time the Philly pitcher pitched a full uh, game, and it was also a win. Um, he's had a dominant uh, start to the season, obviously a little hiccup in one of his starts. But overall, I mean, I think that's one of the more pleasant surprises of the season, um, how well he's been able to command his pitches and really get um, execute on one he needs to. And overall, just gets, gets the best uh, start of the season so far. Well, I'm loving to see that Eflin good start while everyone is riding that Nick Pavetta hype wagon headed into the season. I thought Eflin would be the guy that took that big step. And while I do think he's done great so far, 3-3, three and three, ERA in the 330 range, he has been great throwing that complete game. I went with my guy Vinny Velo. He has had a great start in a more limited role, only five innings, five starts after getting skipped the first time through the rotation. 22 and two-thirds innings pitch. He has 22 Ks, one win, no losses. ERA is just below two and a whip above just .01 above one. It's been great to see from him. His stuff is looking great this year. He's still rocking out that mid to upper 90s velocity, which he's always had. But his slider's having more movement, change up his living lower in the zone. He's starting to be able to locate that pitch. And as opposed to where we've seen Vince have great stuff, but he's just thrown out there. Vince is really starting to, in a sense, pitch the ball instead of just throw it. He's locating, hitting spots. It's been really fun to watch, really tough on opposing batters. And he's been a key piece. Velasquez, Eflin, Arietta, all these guys stepping up and Nola's sort of absent, struggling there as he gets things back on track. So it's good to have these three pieces in the rotation to sort of manage us along until Aaron gets back to that 2018 Cy Young form. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can't go wrong with uh, Velasquez there. I mean, obviously, you know, the question wasn't going to the season, hey, does he not have good stuff? It was the question, hey, can he go more than five innings, more than four innings? You know, obviously, he's a starting pitcher, so he has to be able to contrib- uh, contribute past, you know, what a bullpen could. So, I mean, that's definitely a big development uh, development that he's had this year, and I think that's definitely a point uh, that you were able to uh, show, and it's uh, it's definitely something positive going forward. Hopefully that he can continue to take that forward. Before we look too much forward, we'll take a step back. Phillies are coming off a 17 games in a row stretch. Wasn't the prettiest five and five over the last 10 games of the stretch, but they managed to come out of it 16 and 12. They're sitting in first place in the NL East, two games ahead of the Atlanta Braves and New York Mets. Two very good clubs that are looking to compete. The Nationals struggling right now. I personally think they could turn it around. However, they're not living up to the sort of potential I saw them having. What has impressed you so far about this Phillies team and what they've been able to do to maintain that top spot above the NL East and how they compete with the Cardinals, the Dodgers, the Brewers, all these teams that we'll be looking forward to seeing in October? I think it's their ability to make adjustments. I mean, this team, obviously that Rocky series and then going against the Mets was a lot of tough games in a row. Um, obviously, you lose 3-1 to one, uh, in the series to the Rockies and then 2-1 to one to the Mets. But the Phillies then were able to adjust against the Marlins. Obviously, they did drop game one, but then straight, uh, straight uh, three games in a row you've won, and you've been able to get the offense reignited. And I think a big help again, like I mentioned earlier, was Gene Segura. I mean, if this team can can continue to not just have the weaknesses but then bounce back, I mean, that's going to be the biggest thing moving forward for them. 
you said the Phillies do have a couple of tough games in that Colorado C series. Always fun going to go Coors Field, a little more elevation on the ball. Uh, if you remember back to that uh, little, I'm not sure if you saw that little newspaper bit. I think it was like a year ago where they said something about Coors Field and it was actually uh, Citizens Bank Park. No, I don't. I don't. Sure. I don't know. I don't think I saw anything like that. Uh, that was something funny that happened just a bit over a year ago down in some Denver newspaper, but that was just running through my mind as we watched that series. Phillies losing three out of four in that one. That 8-5 win was promising. Aaron struggled a little bit. But what has impressed me the most with Nola's season so far is he obviously hasn't had his best stuff location-wise. His velocity is not what we're used to. Breaking balls aren't dropping as much as we saw last year. Location sort of over the place, but what he's been able to do is manage down, grind out. He's not trying to get people to swing and miss. He's working with what he has right now, getting himself out of jams, and sort of playing to the offense, seeing what he needs to do to ensure this team gets a win. And it's been impressive to watch him just grind out through a little bit of a pitching slump. And personally, that's been a great character point for me so far to watch from Aaron as he's continuing to develop. Still a very young guy. We saw him. He seems a little bit older as we've seen those young struggles to third in Cy Young voting 2018, and now a little bit of a hiccup in the road. I fully expect him to get back on track at some point this season. We'd love to see it sooner rather than later, but things will get rolling with him again. I've got faith in him. The pitching staff overall, do you think it needs any improvements? A little Madison Bubgardner talk floating around. The Giants are in active discussion. How do you think the rotation sets right now, and what the Phillies need to do to secure an at least division win, but also boost their chances going into the playoffs? Yeah, obviously we saw that this week on the Madison Bar- uh, Bumgarner uh, rumors. And obviously, I mean, as a Phillies fan, you can't not get excited about that. Or even Mike Minor, obviously, with the Rangers. He's had a, um, a nice start to the season. And obviously that would be a nice addition to the Phillies. Um, I think right now they're at least an ace away from competing um, on the next level. And now that would be in addition to Nola. If Nola can't get back to the position he was, and, and, and I'm not saying he needs to be back to that Cy Young top player, but he needs to be in the category of an ace. And if he is, and then you add another pitcher like Madison Bumgarner or Mike Miner or another player, you're in a position really to move not just in the playoffs, but then even in the World Series. I think you really have a lot of momentum with that pitching lineup. Mike Miner's been off to a great start to start this 2019 season. He's someone that it was talked about throughout a little bit of the winter that Clintac was aggressive with him. The Mets were aggressive. Wasn't entirely sure with that one. Uh, he looks a lot older than he is. It's, it sort of always blows my mind when I look and see that he's just 31 years old. But he's had a great start to the year, coming off a really solid start. So like you said, adding him would be a big boost to this rotation. Based off what we've seen from both the rotation and the bullpen, do you think we need more help at that pitching staff? Or do you think the bullpen could use a little bit of emphasis, maybe bringing in Craig Kimbrell, trading for Will Smith on the market, bringing someone in to help establish that pen? Where do you think Klentak should go if he is looking to move and move right now? No one's to say for sure if he is. He's already done plenty for this team. But if he was going to, which side would you lean towards? Uh, I would lean towards the uh, starting lineup. I mean, I think, obviously, um, Kimbrell's obviously the top option if you're going to go to the bullpen. But I just think there's too many variables with that. You know, you obviously you don't know when he's going to be available, if he's going to be that same player, and then how much you're going to pay him. I think if you're able to get a top ace on the market, especially Bumgarner, who's on his last contract, or he's going to be a free agent, 
you could get him for you know a lesser lesser value and then still get that contribution. And then if he's still doing um, well, obviously you have the option to extend him. So I think if the Phillies are going to um, move in that direction of adding a player, I think uh, starting lineup is going to be the position that they should go to. Well, it does seem like sooner rather than later, the Phillies will make some sort of move. Feel free to call in to us at 845-277-9345. And if you're looking down to get to the Phillies or any team's game, use the code BPN10 on Stubyard. We'd love to get you down there, see your team, see the Phillies, get things going. A little bit of minor league action for the Phillies as they called up. Third base prospect Alec Bohm. Uh, he's been having a tear of a season down so far. And they moved him up to higher single A, I believe it was. And that's just a good thing to see for once the Franco era is over, how long battle lasts, if he can come in and be a star player. As this team moves forward, we have 13 years commitment to Harper. Things are going to hopefully be around for the Phillies for a while as they'll look to contend over the next decade and a half. And it's just good to see some of these young guys still succeeding, even after a couple big names were traded for Amudo, moved around in offseason acquisitions. It's solid to know that we still have some good players in the farm system. That'll be up once these guys have hit the road. Yeah, definitely. You got a lot of players right there that um, can contribute in the future. And, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how Quintech can balance that because obviously you want to be able to win right now, but then you also need to have that ability to win in the future, right? You can't just sell all your prospects and then hope that none of them turn out and then you're getting the players um, immediately right now. So it's going to be interesting to see what he does. And if, you know, if a Bumgarner or if the Mike Miner's available and, you know, I'm assuming the Rangers or the um, Giants are going to be wanting some younger prospects, who the Phillies are willing to give up and if they're willing to give up a top prospect um, to secure a deal or if they're going to be patient and say, hey, you know what, we're going to give you this offer and if it doesn't work, then, you know, we'll, we have a line at least that we're not going to give up those players in that moment. Let's well, are kicking things off against the Detroit Tigers. Feel free to call in at 845-277-9345 to give us your thoughts on the Phillies. We're going to head second into the network advertising. When we get back, looking ahead at the Phillies' schedule and sort of just breaking things down, what we think, what we've noticed. Stay tuned. Tune in to Pinstripe Talk this Wednesday at 6 p.m. We go over everything going on in the world of your New York Yankees. We discuss the players who stepped up in the Yankees' absence due to all their injuries and how they're playing and how they'll play once the starters come back. We talk about returning players like Miguel Andujar and Troy Tulowitzki and how their rehab assignments are going and when they'll be back on the field for the Bombers. And finally, we go over the New York Yankees versus the San Francisco Giants in the clean sweep out there in the Bay. All that and much more on this Wednesday's episode of Pinstripe Talk at 6 p.m. Be there, Yankee fans. Welcome back in the FanCast. Feel free to call in 845-277-9345. Philly's starting things off right now because the Detroit Tigers. Phillies are currently sitting third in National League rankings behind the Dodgers and the St. Louis Cardinals. A couple teams off to a hot start. Not too many found in the NLE so far, which is good for Phillies fans to see. The Braves and Mets are sliding along, both at 500. Nationals are just a little bit below three games back of that 500 mark, and then there's the Marlins who have been. Well, just exactly what the, everyone expected the Marlins to be to start this season. What are your thoughts on the Phillies' NL East division foes? How do you think things will play out? And looking ahead to the rest of the National League, what team scares you the most for a Phillies-October matchup? 
Yeah, if you're a Phillies fan right now and you're worried about all our all, our bullpen, you gotta go look around the NL East. I mean, this you you look at this. I mean, especially the Nationals. I mean, you look at their bullpen and how much it's hurt them so early in the season. Um, you know, I picked them as I think you know when you asked uh, me a couple of weeks ago, you asked, um, I picked the Nationals as the most feared team. But, I mean, after seeing that bullpen, I mean, you got to question how well they're going to be able to complete these games, especially down the road. I would say, you know, I, would, I think I would change my opinion to the Mets and giving them the opportunity because, obviously, they took three of two from the Phillies. And they're, I think what's impressed me the most about the, at least the Mets so far is how their hitting has been able to continually um, at least get consistent hits. And they do it a lot by small ball. Well, Phillies certainly need to build on this Detroit series, rack up a couple wins, because it doesn't get any easier for the schedule from here. Three games against the Nats, three more against the St. Louis Cardinals, three-game easier skid against the Royals. Then we've got four against Milwaukee, three more against Colorado, and then a four-game stretch against the Chicago Cubs, back with the Brewers, back with the Cardinals. Then with the Dodgers, San Diego, Manny Machado team that's looking good, Reds and Diamondbacks. It's a tough set for the Phillies this May. This is sort of like, I mean, it was June or July last season where they were playing playoff contender after playoff contender after player playoff contender. And we saw last year a less talented team sort of survive that just around 500 to keep them in the playoff hunt. Things sort of spiraled out of control after that. How do you think May is going to look for the Phillies in the sense that they're playing some tough teams? How will they fall out of it? Will they respond better than they did last season? Hopefully a couple positives coming out of all this. Whereas last year, it seems like this team impressed everyone, how they were able to handle themselves against the top-notch teams in the National League. And then they just fell off against some lesser teams that they definitely should have beat. Yeah, like I mentioned before, you know, this team, what, again, what's impressed me most is their ability to bounce back when they've been struggling. You know, I think, obviously, this stretch, as you mentioned, is going to be tough. You're playing, again, like Dan, you mentioned that you got competitor after competitor, and but the Phillies should be able to contend. I mean, if you're really a playoff team, you got to go show everyone. You can't just go and be like, oh, well, it was the Rockies, it was the Brewers. I mean, you got to go and beat these teams because if you don't, and again, it's only May, but if you don't and you start getting, if you start falling in the division and you start to get blown out by these teams, changes will be have to be made. I'm not going to say, I'm not saying that they are going to lose, but, you know, you look at it and you say, if they can't contend against these teams in a stretch that obviously is going to be tough, but if they can't contend, then, you know, what were these additions for? Um, and again, it's, um, it's only May, but if they do do, if they, if that is what's going to happen, they're going to have to start winning. And, you know, there's, there, there are a lot of winnable games. I think if you're, you know, if you're part of the Phillies, I mean, you got a couple teams that, you know, you got to take advantage of. And especially tonight, you got two games against the Detroit uh, um, Tigers. You got to go win these. Well, the Phillies have brought in the players necessary to be able to compete with these teams. But how do you think these players have performed? JT Romuto, only four homers, 18 RBIs, batting 278, highest average on the Phillies. Then a $330 million man, Bryce Harper, he's batting just 250, six homers, 20 RBIs. Average is just around what it was last season, which isn't exactly what Phillies fans hope to see. We saw him get off to a hot start, three home runs in the first couple of games, only three cents, now driving in a ton of runs. Anything you're worried about, you think things will pick up, or are guys doing just as you expected? Yeah, for Harper, I mean, what's the only thing that's concerned me right now is his ability to catch up with that 95-plus fastball. 
I mean, he looks a little bit overpowered on the, some of those um, pitches, and it's kind of concerning that he's 26 years old, that he's still struggling with that. But, you know, obviously that's something that can change, and that's something that can still improve on. Um, but if you're worried right now it's about the um, batting average, I don't think, you know, you haven't watched Harper last year. He's not someone that's going to bat for average. And if you expected that he was, then you kind of let yourself up for expectations um, because he's going to be someone that's going to get home runs. And obviously he's got six right now, which isn't, you know, the most in the NL, but it's still getting those key hits, and a lot of them have been um, important when they've needed. Like you said, he's not going to bat for average, but he is great at getting on base. 400 OPP right now. Hoskins leaves the team at 411. Then we've seen Andrew McCutcheon, another guy that Phillies brought in. He's at 370. He's doing great out of that leadoff role. He had a single to start the game tonight. How impressed have you been by him so far? Another guy's not hitting for high average, but he's doing great in left field defensively. He's been a good, consistent leadoff hitter. Getting Cesar down, lowering the lineup, he's still struggled. Scott Kingry's filled in, injured now. He's looked great. We'll get into those guys in a little bit. But what have you liked from Kutch so far? Yeah, I got to thank the entire MLB for giving us Andrew McCutcheon at his discount. I mean, he's been really improving um, on a lot of things that we didn't expect coming into the season. Um, obviously, like you mentioned, the uh, average. And I think what he brings to this team is, you know, not just he's not a leader. on He's not just a leader on this team. He's someone that's still, uh, still going to contribute. And I think, you know, we might have. I think especially me when this signing happens, you know, it wasn't like, oh, yes, we got Andrew McCutcheon. It was, oh, okay, what's next? And I think that's something that, you know, maybe it wasn't fair for us, but I think it's definitely he's turned down some critics and definitely shown that he's got a lot to play still, and he's obviously shown it so far. Like you said, he was a great acquisition, seeming at a cheap rate now. However, seemed very expensive at the time. But he's doing great to start with this team. Just going to sort of get your opinions on a lot of stuff. Not sure when we'll get to talk again. Scott Kingery has come in. He's hit the ball extremely well. 13 for his first 32 to start the year. couple homers, six ribbies, like we said. He is injured right now, but he's played very good baseball. Meanwhile, Cesar has continued to struggle. He had a rough 2018 season. We sort of put that on that injured, broken foot, that he had to sort of man that out. Who's impressed you? more in the sense that they should be playing? Do we go with the veteran Cesar? Do we let the rookie, not rookie now, but young player take over? What are your takes on second base for the Phils? Yeah, ever since that, um, ever since uh, Cesar kind of, well, it was the mess up on the base running against, was uh, either the Nats or the Mets. Um, when, the, when he stepped off the base and obviously they tagged him and kind of shortened that ability right there. It's all been downhill so far for him. I mean, Cesar really has struggled in all assets, you know, including fielding, which was something that I was, you know, keen on him for keeping. Because I, I, I knew, obviously, Cesar wasn't going to hit for, you know, he wasn't going to hit 253. He wasn't going to hit to a higher batting average. So then when he doesn't have the fielding, and Kingery has so far, and he's had the hitting, it's hard for him to turn it down. And the only problem is if you put in Kingery then and Kingery struggles, then you really have no option. So I feel like if they're going to commit to Kingery, they got to commit and not, you know, do a half on half off. They got to commit all the way because that's the only way I think you're going to gain confidence for Kingery and you're going to put Cesar on the trading block or you're going to put him in a different role. Well, Gabe sort of does have that floopy one day you're in, one day you're out play by the ear sort of mindset going into managing games, but 
like I said, Scott's been very impressive so far. Another guy that's impressed me is Jake Gary at a four and two ERA just below three fifty. The thing that's impressed me most with Jake is when we saw him win that Cy Young, he was overpowering. He was almost like that big kid in Little League, like no one else could touch him, throwing an ERA below two. Before that was sort of like a common thing. We saw Kershaw do it a couple times, but then Arietta came in and did it. And now it's become a little more common. We saw DeGrom and Blake Snell both do it last season. But Arietta was dominating, striking guys out left and right, no hitters. Now he sort of lost the bite on that fastball. He's locating his pitch as well. What's impressed you with Jake's mindset taking into this new role? It sort of seems like last year we saw him thinking he was still 2015 Jake. He's sort of moving into that next phase of his career at 33 years old. It's been great to watch your Phillies fans looking very good this year. Being another guy who's a key set as Aaron Nola has struggled. What are your takes on Jake the Snake? Yeah, I think that was a huge problem for him last year, um, Jake Arrieta, for believing that he's still 2015 Jake Arrieta. Like, he had to understand. I think it was hard for him, and it's hard for really any athlete to understand that they're not going to be the same person that they used to be. So his ability to adjust and kind of know that, hey, I'm not going to be the same pitcher than I was, you know, I think was a huge um, upgrade for what he was able to mindset-wise, you know, and – I think when you just as a pitcher yourself, I mean, you got to be able to understand that your pitches aren't going to be the same every year, and you got to modify what's working at that time instead of going to what was working. You know, obviously, I think Jake Arrieta um, finally understands that a little bit more this year, and this better. And, and if he keeps understanding it, you know, he's going to win games, and he's going to, you know, I'm not saying he's ever going to return to that style young form, but he will be a solid starter for this team for the next couple of years if he decides to keep putting into this mindset that, hey, i got to evolve as a pitcher, not just go back to that 2015 uh, style. We heard the story from spring training. Larry Bo was saying that he watched Jake throw some bullpens. was looking good. Jake saying he's back, and he is back in a sense, but not that same overpowering form. He's in that next phase of the career, and while he is using that mind a little more, He's still a big dude out there, absolute unit, chucking from the mound, still intimidating to opposing hitters with that big beard. We're running out of time a little bit here. Philly's taking on the Tigers right now with a one nothing lead. Two games the Phillies desperately need to win as they look to build this NL East lead heading into a tough set of games. Between the Cubs, Cardinals, Brewers, Dodgers, it's looking like it's going to fill out this National League postseason. Before we get you on the road tonight, what team – would you most fear the Phillies having to take a series on in the 2019 MLB playoffs? That's a good question. Um, you know, it's still pretty early in the season. You know, obviously there's going to be there's going to be injuries. There's going to be um, upgrades and downgrades at the trade deadline. Right now, I think, and it's going. I think it's going to be the Brewers. I mean, when you have a um, you have Christian Yelich leading your team. That's going to be a scary thing. And I think it's also that the Brewers, I think, are one of the only teams or the only team kind of that understands that they have the, they have to win now, you know. And I think you look at the Cubs, you know, they've already won. You look at the Cardinals, they've won a lot recently. So, And not obviously recently, but, you know, five, three years ago they were winning. I think Brewers understood, you know, hey, we're not going to be able to remain. Nothing's guaranteed next year. So that's, I think that attitude something that, and that's something that's going to scare me. And, hey, they're one of the biggest contenders for Craig Kimball. And even though I don't think he's a fit for the Phillies, I don't want to face him in the postseason. 
Cody Bellinger might be the hottest hitter on the planet right now, leading the MLB in almost every offensive statistic. I don't like the thought of the Phillies playing the Dodgers right now. It'll be a tough set. Are you a big Sixers fan like you are a Phillies fan? Yeah, absolutely. They're continuing a tough series with Toronto. That was big to steal one game on the road. Now they just need to defend home court. I'm hoping they can bring it back to Wells Fargo Center in game six and close that one out. And hopefully we could see a little bit of a Celtics-Sixers rivalry continue in the Eastern Conference Finals. Philadelphia looking like a great sports city right now. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if the Sixers are – and I think my opinion on that situation is I think they got to win both games um, at home because Toronto is such a good team. I mean, you saw last night if anyone was able to watch the game. I mean, they almost lost that game coming down the stretch, and obviously Danny Green had that opportunity to tie the game. So if the Sixers are really going to try to get to the Eastern Conference Finals, you've got to win both games at home because I don't think they're – it's going to be extremely hard for them to win another game in Toronto. So I think if you're able to, again, take a 3-1 series lead, you, you basically won the series, I, I think, if they're able to do that. Hopefully we can. We'll be wishing the best of luck to the Sixers. That's all we have for you today. I'd like to say thank you for me and Mason for tuning in with us tonight. Make sure to join us next Tuesday. We'll be breaking down this past week and everything moving forward. Thanks for tuning in. Take care and go Phils. Hold on, wait a minute. Y'all thought I was finished. When I bought that ass tomorrow, y'all thought it was winning. Jackson on him. Some like Papa on his finish. Double M, yeah, that's my team. Rose, this captain, I'm lieutenant. I'm the tight cannon. Main casting, grind like I'm broke. Fancast is produced by Benson Fector. Fancast is a production of the Baseball Podcast Network. For more Fancast content, be sure to head over to our website at baseballpodcastnet.com. Make sure to give our host a follow on Instagram. Fancast at Fancast BPN. Koi at Koi's Demo. That's Z D I M A L. And Mason at Philadelphia underscore sports underscore chronicle. Follow the official Baseball Podcast Network social media accounts Instagram at Baseball Podcast Net. Twitter at Baseball Podcast One. That's P O D C A S One. YouTube at Baseball Podcast Network and SoundCloud at Baseball Podcast Network. Thank you for tuning in to FanCast. We'll see you next time.